Levo to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Levo just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome. Hockey to hell and back. Episode number 28, getting up there again. I think I'm really closing in on 100 episodes. If you want to include Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery, if you've been on the on the, the train ride since the beginning, thank you. If you're just joining us now, thank you um, to everybody that supported me. I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but you guys have no idea how grateful I am. Still have a lot of tough days. A lot of tough mornings, a lot of tough afternoons, but I have no bad days. I'll tell you that right now. Um, no longer using, no longer ruled by that devil. The charges that I had were thrown out, so like I can finally breathe, uh, and it feels really good, and I'm just really grateful 
for everyone's support. I, I, I still don't feel I deserve it at times and I'm doing my best um, to help people. I feel that's my, that's my duty. Uh, I made it out of hell. I know there's a lot of people struggling and if people can find any sort of strength through anything that I'm doing, even though I know I'm still doing a lot of things, maybe not the right way and I'm learning and everything, but if I can provide a little bit of strength for anybody, uh, I'm certainly happy to do it. So thank you so much um, for all your support. I, I just can't tell you guys enough. Um, I was a mess. I was a mess and I'm no longer a mess, uh, at least not, not to my old standards, I'll say that. So uh, you guys know I'm coming at you guys live from Gravenhurst, Ontario in Muskoka, beautiful area. Another reason why I feel like I'm doing so well, you know, I'm up, get to spend a lot of time in nature through the past year, not as much lately, but I mean, it's such a beautiful area. Outdoor ranks galore. All my friends down in Texas, welcome to our world. You guys are in a, uh, a deep freeze. Shout out to Michael Zacker, former teammate. I know he's been watching the show. Hopefully we can connect soon. Um, never probably thought he'd have an outdoor rink. I think he may have one after the last couple of days down there. So hello, Tex. Hello to you and your wife and kids down there in Texas. Thanks for watching. Um, what else is going on, guys? Lots going on with Puck Support, always super busy. Lots of cool things coming up. I'm going to have Brian Smolinski on the podcast on Sunday night which I'm really excited about, um, become a new friend and, and really looking forward to meeting him on a more personal level. He's doing a lot of great things with the NHL and NHLPA, um, trying to grow the game and make sure that hockey's in a good state for the next generation. And that's what Puck Support's really all about. Um, if you don't know what Puck Support is, you guys can check it out more on social media at Puck Support, PuckSupport.com. There's lots to go on there still, I'm not gonna lie. But if, in case you don't know, um, we do have a clothing line and on all the clothing we have, uh, today I have my Matthew Lazinski sweater on. This is where it all started. Former OHLer, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound. We lost him in 2017 to an overdose. And uh, it could have been me, it almost should have been me. I mean, it was me. I overdosed over 10 times, you guys. And I see this every day in my hat tonight. Got a different hat on, we got John Adams. Former South Muskoka Shield. Lost him tragically in 2015. Uh, sadly, he took his own life. And uh, it's happening all the time, guys. And we want to make a, we want to, we want to put a stop to this. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever be able to stop it, but we're going to put a significant dent in it. So if you want to get involved, check us out, reach out if you need help. Email Sandra, Sandra, PuckSupport.com. We're here for you. Everybody's volunteering right now, but we're building to get there where we can actually provide people with, you know, full-time jobs, hopefully in the near future, doing something they love to do, helping people. And um, it's just, it's an exciting time for me. I, I said it earlier, I just feel like I don't really uh, deserve any of this. And that's why I'm working so hard. Uh, we're going to get into the episode, but quickly a word from our sponsors. Take it away, Regan Bartell. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play -play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 
for 15% off. Thank you, Regan. Love that guy. If you think he's got a great voice, he's an even better man. Um, Seriously, so much love and respect to Regan Bartell and everybody that's a part of the Kelowna Rockets. Hello to Jesse Paradise, former teammate, owner of Team Issued. Check out Team Issued. I dropped one of the hats, but I got everything Team Issued. Hats, hoodies, t-shirts. They do it all, and they also do custom work. So check it out, guys. Teamissued.ca. That's it. That's my spiel. We're going to get right in the episode. You guys know how this goes. We'll see you in a few minutes. I just got a telegram from the governor's office. The sheriff will be here at noon. I say it all the time, but this last year has been one hell of a ride. I've been fortunate to have a lot of great conversations with some of my idols, guys I played with or against, and I've met a lot of great new people along the way as well. Fighting in hockey has been a hot topic on the Hockey to Hell and Back podcast. Recently, I interviewed both Matt Cassian and Matthew Barnaby. They both have over 200 recorded fights throughout their career. But today, we take that to a whole nother level. And we all better be on our best behavior because the sheriff is in town. Sean, the Sheriff McMorrow, was born in Vancouver, British Columbia, January 19th, 1982. He's five years older than I am, and we never crossed paths because he moved out to Ontario, where we both reside now. Growing up in Scarborough, the Sheriff turned enough heads to get a shot in the Ontario Hockey League. He broke into the OHL in the 1999-2000 season and appeared for the Sarnia Stings before moving on to the Kitchener Rangers. Over the course of the next few years, he would suit up for the Kingston Frontenacs, the Mississauga Ice Dogs, and finally with the historic London Knights. The Sheriff is undoubtedly well known for his on-ice toughness, taking on anybody, and this caught the eye of the NHL. After his first season in the OHL, the Buffalo Sabres selected Sean McMorrow in the eighth round, 258th overall. And throughout the course of his OHL career, he made a name for himself and that earned him an entry-level contract with the Sabres. McMorrow would spend the next four seasons playing for the Rochester Americans and even getting called up to the big club in 2002-2003, debuting in front of his hometown crowd in Toronto for the Maple Leafs. During his time in the American Hockey League, Sean McMorrow picked up the honors of AHL Man of the Year on three separate occasions. Being named Man of the Year is, to me, one of the most prestigious honors. This honor is handed out to the player that spends the most time in the community, the guy who gives back without expecting anything in return. This just goes to show you what type of a guy Sean McMorrow really is. Following his time in Rochester, he moved on to the LNAH, which is, in my opinion, without question, the toughest hockey league maybe to ever exist. During the 2007-2008 season, while I was playing with the Kelowna Rockets, the Sheriff went on to collect 527 penalty minutes in just 48 games. And I did the research. He fought 62 times in that one season. 62 times in 48 games. In 2010, Sean McMorrow decided to take his talents overseas to play for the Belfast Giants. And this is where everything came to a crashing halt for the Sheriff. We're in Belfast, he got the news that he had actually been charged with conspiracy in a long-term drug investigation by the FBI. Following the news, he instantaneously returned home and was released on a $25,000 bond. 
heading into the court date, his lawyer had instructed that he was going to be handed a sentence of probation, but had to plead guilty and sign a paper that he didn't want to sign. Though he admits some involvement, he was forced to sign a plea agreement that claims he did things that he just didn't do. And on top of that, when it came to sentencing, instead of probation, the sheriff was handed a two-year sentence in a federal penitentiary. I can't speak for him. I can only speak for myself. And when I got sentenced to two years in jail, it was one of the worst feelings that I ever received. Being led away in handcuffs in front of both my parents, knowing that I was not getting out anytime soon was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to face. It was a very cold, harsh reality. And I know it was much the same for the Sheriff Sean McMorrow. The courtroom was filled with 25 of his family members, including his fiance, and I can't imagine what that must have felt like. He thought he was going home with a sentence of probation. Now he's faced with two years in jail. I'm actually really excited to talk to him because I haven't talked about my experience in jail very much because I haven't really been able to level with anybody. Though there's been several hockey players that have spent time behind bars, I've yet to interview any of them that spent any significant time in jail. I spent three years and Sean McMorrow was released after 20 months due to good behavior. Instead of wasting his time while he was in there, he decided to take every single program and be the best version of himself that he could really be. The little bit that I have shared about jail is the stories of how I helped a few guys graduate while I was behind bars. I really couldn't believe how many of the guys in there just couldn't read or write. I was so happy to hear that Sean McMorrow did the same thing, helping others get their GED while also taking college classes of his own. It's pretty remarkable if you think about it. Most people out there will never have to experience what jail is really like, but it can be extremely overwhelming. All you have is time to sit and think, and the people you're surrounded with are, are very marginalized to say the least. And if you think there aren't drugs and different substances in there, well, guess what? You're wrong. I wish I could say that I never did drugs when I was behind bars, but that would be a lie. During my research, I also realized that he went through some of the same stuff I went through. Different jail guards bringing up YouTube videos of fights and asking about this and asking about that. And much like the sheriff, I try to be as respectful as possible because when you give respect, you earn respect, even when you're in jail. The sheriff's life could have went in a totally different direction. He could have spent his time in there becoming a more hardened criminal or getting involved in the politics of jail, but instead he decided to better himself. And upon his release, he was back on the ice once again, suiting up in the LNAH. I read that he never had one fight in jail, which really surprises me. But then again, I guess he fought enough on the ice for my count, 470 fights. 470 fights, that's absolutely insane. There's no two ways about it. Life always throws us curveballs. At different times in life, we all fall, but it's how we rise and how we respond to those challenges that test our true character. Being the fighter that he is, Sean McMorrow rose to the occasion. Since his release, he's been on the path of redemption, and just recently he started his own podcast called The Sheriff with Sean McMorrow, which I couldn't be happier about. I've been on a few podcasts where they introduce me as a rival podcaster. I'm not going to do that today because I believe we all need to work together. And him and I have actually spoke about working together and possibly on the same network. And I'm sure we'll talk about that today. I can't wait to do this, guys. So let's do it without further ado. The sheriff is in town. Welcome to the show, my new friend and puck support warrior, 
the sheriff, Sean McMorrow. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, man. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what. I am so excited to be on your show, Brady. And <laughs> the thing is, brother, is that the preparation that I just heard you talk about me, I am so surprised that you were actually able to find out that much information, my friend. That is incredible. That is incredible. <laughs> it is accurate. And it is wonderful. And, and I thank you for doing that. And, and I appreciate you welcoming me to the show. Thank you very much. Hey, Hey man, listen, uh, it's an honor to have you on and I wish we would have been able to do it sooner. But I think when we were, we were supposed to connect uh, in the fall and I had a, a kind of a crazy whirlwind where I had to up and move. And, and honestly, I'm so forgetful with concussions and stuff. So I apologize, but you know what? Everything happens when it's supposed to happen. And um, really, uh, really happy to be able to connect with you. Uh, and let me say too, I, I, I listened to the podcast, the one episode I found and, you know, I think, Honestly, man, you got to do it. And I'm behind you 100% um, from before I let you take it away. Like every single guy that I talk to, um, and one of them being the great Paul Rosen, uh, shout out to Paul Rosen. I was on the Rosen Report recently. He uh, he just spoke so highly of you, and that's the same for everybody. And, um, you know, just I could hear just talking to you now how amazing a guy you are. So thanks for taking the time to do this, man. Well, well and, I, and I appreciate those kind words. Um, Paul Rosen, it's funny that, that you brought that up because I actually recently just received a message from him, um, you know, saying good luck and stuff with the show and stuff. So, Paul, thank you very much, my friend. Um, the one thing I wanted to point out, though, Brady, is that for me, it's a little bit intimidating right now doing <laughs> the show due to the fact that you recently got your teeth fixed. And I just feel like I'm on a show with a movie star right now, brother. Oh man, come like, on. You know what I mean? So like, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm anxious. Like, you know, so you have to bear with me. Okay. But, but no, I, I wanted to point that out Brady because the teeth look wonderful, man. And I know Thanks. that you just recently got it done, right? Yeah, man. And it's been a struggle trying to keep talking with them, but I'm going to do it. And uh, before you say anything, thank you to Dr. Brown down there in Oakville and uh, Rob McDougall, Raymond Salinas. And then there was somebody else behind the scenes that, you know, funded half of it as well. He doesn't want to be named. Um, just incredible people that I never had met before all this uh, started. There's so many people that helped me along the way. But when it comes to my teeth, you know, certainly them and um, Susan drove me down uh, a couple times to uh, to get them. So thank you to her as well. And I mean, it's yeah, it feels good, man, because I'll tell you what, I, I, I wear it with a badge of honor, um, you know, as a hockey player without teeth. But once I went into addiction and different things, it's like, OK, well, now I'm surrounded by a bunch of people without teeth and there's they're not hockey players. And now I'm starting to look more like them. And as the time progressed, I started to act more like them, feel more like them. And that's not the past judgments on them. It's just when you're in that lifestyle, it, it's very consuming. So now that I'm finally out of it, um, that's kind of the final icing on the cake to get me back feeling where I needed to be. So I'm really grateful. And thanks for that comment. Um, I want to talk a little bit. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, I'm sure, but I want to get right into it. I, you know, it's a uh, it just happens to be too. Um, Susan brought to my attention uh, to remind me too, because I was like, you know, and and I don't know how to say this without saying it. I'm actually excited because you're the first uh, man of color to come on my show. Really? And, yeah. Wow, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. No, that's amazing, and man. I, I'm, I'm honored. Yeah. And well, no, I mean, you're, we're all just people, but I'm saying because of, you know, it's Black History Month and everything else. And I want to ask you right off the hop, you know, playing hockey, did you? 
did you suffer any racism or, or what was the experience like for you? If you don't mind talking about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I come from like a, an incredible family. I come from a biracial family and okay. you know, my, my father is from Trinidad and Tobago and in, in the Caribbean yeah. and, and, and my mother is of Irish descent. So, you know, I was blessed with having, you know, a six foot six father and a, and a six foot mother um, as my parents. And they happened to be one black and, and one white and, yeah. you know, and, and so, so, so as any biracial kid can tell you, like, especially like for myself, um, you know, I'm half white and half black, but to society, yeah. I'm identified as a light skinned black guy. And I'm more than fine with that. I'm very <laughs> proud. If you ask any biracial person, they're yeah. very, we're very proud of how yeah. we look. We're, we're usually a little bit overconfident with it, but we're very <laughs> proud of, of the way that we look. We feel we have the best from both worlds and so on and so forth, right? Back to your question. When I was growing up, obviously hockey is a sport that is predominantly white, right? And the weird thing for me is the fact that, you know, my parents got divorced when I was pretty young. You know, I was I was six years old when my parents got divorced. And, you know, my mom, um, you know, raised me and my three siblings. You know, there was four kids. You know, there's Catherine, Sean, Patrick and Liam. You know, you can't get much more Irish than that with the names. <laughs> and, you know, so my mom's side of the family, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, you know, every everybody's white. Right. And. And we lived in a city where of Toronto, where all the McMorrows are from, which is my mom's surname. And, you know, we were who we were, but to other people, we were different. We looked different anyway. And so I never really experienced any racial uncomfortability or anything like that when I was young in hockey. It more so started at the age where kids trying to like they're they're trying to like identify with themselves they kind of when kids go to high school like that teenage yeah. age where they're kind of trying to figure out who they are and they kind of look a little bit more into their background like for for a scarborough kid it was in grade nine when we got into high school people really seemed to really kind of stick to their backgrounds like when we yeah. got to that age so for me it was the same thing with hockey like but I kind of got to, and maybe let's bring it back a couple of years before that. Let's say grade seven, grade eight. So we're talking, you know, when we're in grade eight, um, we're going to the peewee tournament, you know, in Quebec. Grade seven is minor peewee. You know, when we were younger, I know they changed the age groups and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. um, I would say around that age is when, you know, I started kind of noticing that I was different, you know, on the, on the surface looking than most of the players. And, you know, I, I went through a little bit of name calling and stuff like that, but I think to my credit, the fact that I was such a big kid and the <laughs> fact that hockey is a contact sport that maybe I didn't get as much as, you know, like the, 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 the little guy, someone that looked like Carlton Banks, maybe from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air size, you know, playing would have gotten right. So I did get it, but I think because I was bigger, I didn't get it as much like at that age when kids are immature and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, uh, just the reason why I bring it up is because, you know, I had Curtis Gabriel on uh, recently and, you know, he 
we talked a lot about equality and you know his skates um he has the uh the pride flag on his skates he's not he's not homosexual he's straight but he's just all about equality he's making a statement in the nhl he's only played one game this year but what he's doing is incredible um but he also has something alluding to the black lives matter movement which is also a, i mean he's just it's all about equality and i think you know what are your thoughts on you know what the NHL is doing um, surrounding that, how the guys took a stand. For me, it was really nice to see. And I, you know, I, again, it's like one of these things, it's like, okay, well, they did, they, they did a standoff for one day. It's like, well, what about the rest of the 364 days a year? Um, But I mean, there's a lot going on in the world surrounding, you know, equality and and racism and hatred and stuff. So what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that they're handling it in in a good way? Could they be doing more? What, What do you see on your side? I mean, I'll I'll be honest with you. Like, I I'm glad, just like you, that that we saw what we saw. And, you know, there's the Ryan Reeves, you know, yeah. press conference, and then you know you got you got you know Subban and and um, dude on Minnesota man, what's his name? The the, the oh, guy man. that's like he's, 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 no no the guy that that actually did the speech, like the, the oh. big speech where you know you know Subban and do, have his you know they're on they got his they're on his shoulder. Anyway, we'll get to all the names. We know yeah. who we're talking about. Yeah, I, was proud of, I, I was proud that they did that, Brady. But the thing is, brother, is like you can put a million posters around an arena with the quality and you can put stickers on helmets and, you know, all that stuff is great, man. And, 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 and the reason why, why it's great is because just knowing how it started – Knowing the Herb Carnegie, Willie O'Ree stories, the McKegney stories, knowing where it came from to where it is now and the recognition that is starting to happen, that's nice to see, Brady. But the NHL hasn't really had too many stories, man, about them going into communities and pouring out money to get inner city kids playing or to have hockey more accessible to all, you know, uh, walks of life. And you know what I mean? Like, you want to play you want to play hockey right now your parents have to be doing pretty good <laughs> yeah you have to have a family history where there's no one that's broken up cuz you got to have the two parents and and it's just it's just not reachable for a lot of people and you know and the percentages skyrocket when it comes to any minority group so i mean I'm I'm happy to see what they're doing, but but to answer your question, I know I'm blabbering on, but it's important. No. It's not enough, and the NHL really has to step up. I mean, there's there's a ho- hockey diversity alliance, the HDA, that pretty much kind of parted ways with the NHL, or whatever happened there, man. Which really shows to me that the NHL really didn't give anything really what the HD was looking for. And I don't speak on behalf of them, but I'm just really hoping that that's successful, that movement. So I was just really disappointed to hear that things weren't excelling, especially when there was all that momentum of all the different sports leagues and especially the NBA, but all the different sports leagues really making a stand. And the NHL really had an opportunity to really say, you know what, we're, we're going to invest X amount of million dollars into HD Day. We're going to do X amount of million dollars into this community um, foundation. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I didn't hear any of that. I saw a lot of stickers and and little things to put on jerseys and little things in the in the jumbotrons. And I mean, that's beautiful for show. But I mean, I hope it's more, Brady. I, I hope they do more. 
Yeah, and, and I'll echo that as well. And I think you make a lot of great points. And don't ever feel like you're blabbing, man, because you're speaking uh, from the heart and it, I'm you're, I'm listening and I'm sure everybody watching and listening is hearing you loud and clear. Um, just to go back, it was Matt Dumba. Matt Dumba yes. is, is the... But yeah, See, so, that's what happens. That's what happens when you're doing a when you're doing a show with a movie star. You get nervous. You forget names. But Dumba, I did too, that's man. it, man. <laughs> I did. Dumba. I did. I did too. And and yeah, man. I, listen, man. I I'm no movie star. I'm just a guy that's trying to uh, speak my truth so that people can see maybe where they're at. You know, they can come out of hell too. And and we'll get to your your uh, your journey into the pits of hell. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about you know your time in the OHL. I mean, you played. Uh, you broke with Sarnia, and you know played uh, played obviously well enough to get drafted by Buffalo, which must have been pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's great talking about like the different parts of the career and whatnot, Brady, because I mean, I, I had such great experiences playing hockey. Like I'm sure you, like, you know, you, you can emphasize with what I'm saying and like, like any of the hockey players that are watching any of the parents that are watching anybody that has anything to do with it just knows like what the game really brings us. And, you know, the experiences that we gain and, you know, the friendships that we make and everything And the OHL for me, brother was like, man, like, we judge our we judge you judge a man by his experiences and and if my life was just the OHL I would have a lot of respect man because I went through a lot in those three years I played for a lot of teams um I really I I lived with some great billets and I just I just you know I I kind of was was a was a fighter in the OHL like I was I I, I had to be like an enforcer um, but luckily for me, brother, by the end of my career, I actually got a chance to play on a regular line with the Oshawa Generals in my third year and was able to, to, to hit the score sheet a bunch of times. And I was able to put the puck in the net. And because I was a drafted player that had proven that I could do the job with fighting, it was really up to me to prove that I could play too. And the London Knights, which is such a big part of my OHL experience, especially the Hunters, like oh, yeah. Mark and Dale Hunter. I mean, they drafted me to the league in Sarnia. Then they ended up trading for me to come to London. And my time in London really solidified me showing that I could be tough enough to play in the next level. Then all I needed to do was prove that I could play. And they called me in the day before the trade to Oshawa. Um, Brian McGratton had just oh, yeah. gotten traded out of Oshawa because there was some kind of altercation with the coach and they wanted to bring someone in that could fill McGratton's role, which was me. And I got that opportunity because Gratz was playing on the third line in front of the net on the power play. And they literally wanted me to just go right into that spot. And what an opportunity that is, especially a kid from Toronto playing for the Gens which no is doubt. only half an hour, 45 minutes from where I grew up. And I'm getting an opportunity to play a regular shift. And now it's kind of like, okay, well, now my confidence is sky high and I'm rolling, I'm, I'm riding this crest of the wave. So, I mean, I ended up getting a hat trick against the Peterborough Peets. Yeah. I ended up, you know, really like kind of proving that I could stand in front of the net we played Jason Spezza and the Belleville Bulls in the first round of the playoffs. I was in front of the net in overtime. We won that first game. I got the G-dub. Right? Yeah. 
right? Yeah, there we go. That's your horn. You know what my horn is? Is 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 is, is, is woo? Yeah, there That's you go. What I, I do. I do that but, too. Yeah, bro, I mean that you do that. I'm just messing with you right now, but but yeah, the confidence with the goals and everything. That's the reason why I was able to sign that entry level contract. I wouldn't have signed it if I didn't get traded to Oshawa, even though I was doing well in London, I was winning all my fights, but that wasn't good enough to make it to the next level. Yeah. And, and you did though. And it's not like you just, you know, played a, a couple games uh, pro or anything like you, you know, you were a, a regular in the American hockey league. And for anybody that doesn't, has never had an opportunity to watch the American hockey league in any capacity. Um, you know, I played only four games before getting hurt and then my life going sideways, but I'll tell you what, I was in for a rude awakening when I showed up to Norfolk in the American hockey league. I, had no idea how good it really was. Um, you know, it's not that far off from the NHL. The difference is maybe your top three, four guys on a team, um, but you can pluck pretty much anybody from that league and put them in and you're not going to notice. They're not going to be out of place or uh, anything. And you were able to, you know, play the better part of five years and probably would have played longer if you didn't end up, you know, deciding to go play in Quebec for whatever reason. Um, but tell us about your time in Rochester, man, because you seem like you really uh, loved it down there. You got AHL man of the year, like three times, three different times throughout your career, which is unheard of. Like, you know, you only, you played, yeah, you played a while, five, four or five years, five years, you got three man of the years. Like that's, that's probably your greatest accomplishment in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, Brady. And, 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 and the thing is, is, you know, one thing that I just want to point out, because I know that you're the same type of dude. I know that you figured out what volunteering really is. Like, yeah. I know that you figured that out. A lot of people haven't figured that out. Okay. And volunteering is only gains that you can make. It's only positive. People think that it's like a punishment or, you know, you're yeah. wasting your time, but really they have no idea. But well, so, so I, I just want to point out, the man of the year stuff with the AHL, I want to point out how, how that came about. Yeah, please and, do. You know, being a kid from Toronto, um, as, you know, having having an NHL team in your hometown, right? Like, obviously, you're, you're a big fan and stuff like that. But what I'm trying to get at is the divisional teams. Me being a, a, a Canadian kid, you know, I love the skill. I loved all that. I love the fighters. I love the goalies. I love the defensemen. I loved everything about the game. I was just a big hockey kid, okay? I loved hockey. I used to, you know, walk over to my grandparents' house and have hot chocolate and watch Hockey Night in Canada, right? Like, that's how I grew up, okay? So, for me, <laughs> playing hockey is like, is, is like a cultural thing, okay? And the, the being a draft pick of the Buffalo Sabres – I had guys that I idolized growing up because they're a divisional team of Toronto. And one of the guys was Rob, was Rob Ray. Okay. Yeah. He's the tough guy because him and Domi, I mean, the series, the, the back and forth, all that excitement, man. I mean, I know like real hockey fans miss that because it's been so long since yeah. we've had those type of rivalries, but you know, that's how I grew up. And so Rob Ray was like a, was like a huge, like star to me. Okay. A huge star to me. And so I, I want to tell you about a night that um, I was at a conditioning camp with all the other draft picks in Buffalo. Um, Buffalo was, was, has always been a small market team. They really yeah. like to develop their, their system guys, their AHL guys, young guys. So if you're drafted by Buffalo, you're going to Buffalo for 
three, four weeks at least in the summer doing a conditioning camp. They're teaching you how to eat, how to train. You know, they're putting you in apartments. So you're kind of getting, you know, the, the vibe of how it's going to be in the AHL. And, and they really want you to prepare mentally and physically yeah. for the next step. And that's how they get success because their system is strong. Okay. So me being a draft pick, I got to benefit from all that. So I got to learn about diets and about working out and how really the day before the game eating is more important than the day of, and you know, all this kind of stuff I learned at pr pretty young because the Sabres put so much investment into that type of stuff. Yeah. And we had a day off one night, we were staying across the street from a big Marriott hotel in Amherst, New York, a suburb of Buffalo. And you know, we went over there and to be honest with you, we went over because it was a ladies night and, you know, we're, we're 18, 19 year old kids. And, you know, that's that kind of thing that we're looking for at that age, you know, just of like course. any other kid, right? We had the day off the next day. So we're going, we're going to, you know, to, to go to the bar, to have a little bit of fun on our way there. There was a conference room that was packed of people at the Marriott. The bar was in the Marriott hotel. So, so there's this big conference room and we noticed that there's a couple of the guys from the Sabres are there. So, you know, we poke our heads in to see what's going on. And we see that it's an award ceremony that's happening. And it's for Rob Ray. They're honoring Rob Ray. So the guys are like, okay, yeah, this is cool. Okay, let's go. I'm like, okay, I'll, um, I'm going to meet you guys there. <laughs> I'm interested in this. Yeah. I want to see what's going on here. So I, 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 I just go inside the door <laughs> and I kind of stand there like I'm supposed to be there. And, and I'm watching and, I, and I'm watching Razor, you know, get get honored for for what he did and, and all the stuff that he did in the community and all the foundations that he had. And, and I'm looking at all the people and, and I'm just like, man, like, hey, they're just really impressed with this guy. Like whatever he's doing is a really good thing. And I can't really see how there could really be a better, more exciting, comfortable situation for somebody than this. Right. So I'm thinking, you know what? This is how I want to be as a player. This is what I want to do. I want people to be to be happy that I'm involved with stuff. If I'm going to be on a professional hockey team and have a pedestal and have people think, you know, what I say is important because I'm playing a professional sport, then I want to do something good. I want to be able to have an impact. I want to be able to, to change people's lives and, 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 and for the good, right? I want to do that. So, so Brady, so, so that's what I did. And I knew how I could do it. How I could do it was I could sign up for every public and charitable appearance. What they do, I know you know, they yeah. put the paper in the dressing room. They say there's a public appearance tomorrow after practice. At this thing, we need two players to sign up, blah, blah, blah. Everybody looks at it, and they're all like, oh, I don't want to – I thought we were going to the keg or – you know <laughs> what I mean? Whatever. I'm like, rrr, 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 I'm signing that thing, man. And, and so in the beginning, I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But, man, what I realized is I loved every minute of it. Yeah. I didn't care if we were going to a hospital. I didn't care if we are going to a community center. I didn't care if it was just like a gym of kids that we were doing a talk with. Like, yeah. I loved every part of it. I loved how I could meet all these different people and how I could gain all these skills because I'm volunteering my time. Who cares? That's wonderful yeah. to volunteer your time and learn these new things. And that's what I was able to get out of it, man. And I just kept doing it. And the more I did it, the better I was at it because it was yeah. pretty much, they would have like a topic 
that they'd want us to talk about. And it would kind of coincide with whatever the school was doing as a theme. Like let's say it was teamwork or, or, you know, discipline or whatever the, the thing was. And then what I would do is I would talk about how I would have to have discipline or teamwork in my life to be successful. And what's it like for me to be a hockey player and how I got started and whatever. And I was able to give a good message and I was able to be effective. And as a result, I learned how to be on camera. I learned to be comfortable in front of many people. I learned how to do public speaking. I learned how to network with people. I learned how to counsel people. There's so yeah. many things, man, I could list them off. And as, a, as for the rest of my life, I'll be able to apply these skills yes. to all the different things that I want to do. And some people say to me, you know what, McMorrow, like you only played you know, a couple of games and stuff. Like, you know, was it worth it, man? And I say, you know what? The hockey part definitely was worth it. The life experiences, I would do it 10 times over again. <laughs> You're damn right, man. And I right? love, thank you for sharing that. Thanks for sharing the, the, that story. That's I know that was long, but. No, man, honestly, this shows for you, man. You talk and as much as you want. I love, man, I was like loving that story. I think that's so cool, man, that you were able to see one of your guys you idolized and looked up to. And, and now you're drafted to that team and you see what he's doing. And you're like, Hey, you know, I see when you see something, you're like, I want, I want that for myself. And what it turns out to be really is like, you're getting a lot out of it, but you're also giving back. And I think that's what people, it's funny that we were, we're talking about this because I wasn't, you know, I was planned on bringing the, the man of the year up, but I wasn't planning on talking about this and I probably like I not to say anything, but Chris Westblom was a goalie in Cologne in my 20 year old year. And he ended up getting the humanitarian of the year, I think for the whole league. And I did every single appearance that he did, but he had played on that team for five years and done it like for the whole five years. So there was no way I was going to beat him, but I didn't care. I was the same way you were, man. Like I love to go out when I was playing in Victoria we had to go wrap presents. The entire team had to go to a warehouse with other volunteers, not in front, not really a public appearance, just the other few volunteers and wrap presents for less fortunate families. And everybody, as soon as it was, it was over, they left, they took off. I stayed like three hours extra and I went back the next day. And I actually, there was a little, uh, a, an older lady and a, an older gentleman, I'm talking like in their eighties that were there doing it, volunteering. And they actually invited me over to go to their house for dinner. And I went and everything. Else. And it was a really cool story. And, um, actually now that I think about it, I don't know why I didn't think about this. Their son played in the NHL and I'm going to have to remember his name. And he actually took his own life. Maybe that now I'm thinking maybe we need to honor him with, well, we do need to honor him with puck support, but that's crazy. I just remember that. But I wanted to tell you that I was watching um, today I was watching Tony Robbins and Dave Goggins and, you know, the, the motivational stuff. And Tony Robbins was talking about service work. Like, you know, if you're, if you're miserable, if you're having a rough go, like that's probably because you're thinking about yourself. You're, you're, you're in your own head. You're thinking about your own problems and everything else. Like go be of service, go volunteer, go get out of yourself to help other people. And that will be the first step in finding happiness and finding, you know, pure joy for me anyways. Absolutely, man. And, and like, I, I, I couldn't say anything better than that to explain it because I, I feel the same way and that's what I was able to discover and, it, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And another, that's what I miss. Maybe like, uh, there's a lot of things I miss about hockey, but I miss all those crazy volunteer opportunities that are like, Oh yeah, just sign a paper, be here. Yeah. Um, now it's, you know, I wish, you know, COVID obviously makes it hard, but you know, I'm really looking forward to, you know, uh, you know, you're going to be a part of your puck sport warrior. Now you're going to be a huge part of puck support. Uh, probably going to, 
I really hope we can figure out something where our podcast can coincide and work together because I really think you're you're, you're great on on camera on a mic and you could talk like you said and um, on top of that you have a great story and great life experiences. But uh, I'm really looking forward to being able to do similar things like through you know puck support and whatever other organizations. I'm really looking forward to COVID being over so we can get out there and start doing that kind of stuff. You'll Absolutely, probably, man. You'll probably be the puck support man of the year the first year. <laughs> that would be an honor. <laughs> that would be an honor. I'd love it. I'd absolutely yeah. love it. Man. Okay. So I want to talk before we go into the, the, the rough part there. Um, tell us about your, your, your experience playing with Buffalo against Toronto, man. I know you probably tell people this all the time, but that must've been a freaking awesome experience, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and, and you're absolutely right. It was, and you know, like I, like, I guess for me, um, you know, like when, when I tell the story, I, I, I kind of like to tell like how I found out that I was yeah. going to be playing. Yeah. Right? So there's many different ways that AHL guys, you know, find out they're getting called up. You know, a, little, a lot of guys, you know, they'll just be at home, you know, it'll be in the evening and they'll get a call and they'll be like, look, you know, you got the call, boom, you're going up, you know, um, either you got to go to the airport now or the morning or whatever. But I would say the most common way is a guy at the end of practice gets pulled aside and, and he's told by he's his wife that he's getting called up. So so that's like fortunately for me, that's how that's how it happened for me. And as you know, Brady, I know you were a top line guy, but you know, us third, fourth liner guys, we had to do a lot of work after practice. And I know you worked after practice too, but we had to mandatory work after practice, like little skills things and stuff, right? So it would be it would be very common for you know Randy Cunningworth, who was my head coach, or Doug Huda, who was my assistant coach, um, you know, to be like, hey Matt, come, you know, come with me. We got a couple guys here. We're gonna do some stick handling drills. And I'd be like, sure, you know, do it, whatever, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then we're off. So Cunny's like, Matt, come here. So I skate over, and you know, it was a little bit weird, man, because he had like this weird smirk on his face, and you know. And so I'm, 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 I'm trying to think to myself, you know, am I, am I in trouble for anything? You know, did I do anything <laughs> in practice? Um, no, I'm good, man. I've done that last, last game, you know, that I give giveaways. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I should be confident. So I go up to him and I'm like, Hey, honey, what's up? And he's leaning on his stick like this. And he's looking at me and I'm like, I'm like, you know, waiting for him to say something. And he just kind of looks at me and he's like, Mac, you got the call. You're going to the show. No way. That's right. Just looking me right in the eye. Mac, you got the call. You're going to the show. And I'll never forget the way that he said it. And then so my reaction was like, I'm just like, you know, like, but I'm like, um, I'm like, I'm like, uh uh awesome. Um, and, and he's like, you know, just 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 take it easy, you know. Um uh they're gonna give you instructions this afternoon. I don't think you because I don't think you actually have to go until tomorrow's practice. You're just going to go to the Marriott tonight, but you know, you got some time so just relax. So right away, I just, you know, just, just wheel right off the ice and like, and we have to change, we have to, we had to like at our practice facility in Rochester, we had to kind of go through this area that was where we had all our clothes, our street clothes before we went yeah. into the dressing room. And so in that area, so I went right to my jeans and went to my pocket, went to my phone and, you know, and I, you know, like I, like I called my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? She's like, she's like, nothing, Sean, what's going on? I'm like, um, I got called up and she's like, 
oh, that, that, that's wonderful, dear. You know, wh where, where are you going to be playing? Who are you playing? I'm like, it's, it's this Saturday. It's against Toronto. It's against, it's at home. Right. She's like, Oh my God. So it's like, we ended up getting on the phone or whatever. And, you know, I ended up, you know, continuing the day, but, but I mean, yeah, man, it was, it, it was, it was a shock, you know, and I, I ended up, you know, have, practicing with the big club for a game. And then we, we, we took a, it was weird because it's Buffalo and Toronto, right? Any, anybody that knows the area, they know it's just an hour drive up to QEW. So we actually yeah. took this like bus up to QEW, like this crazy VIP bus, because they're not going to fly from Buffalo to Toronto, right? Yeah. And we took the bus, stayed at the Western Harbor Castle, which is right on the water there. And, um, you know, my roommate was Curtis Brown. And, um, and yeah, man. And, and, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I saw some of my my hometown friends a little bit the night before, and you know, and they they came to the hotel, and you know, it was it was a really big deal, man, and 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 you know, like for me, like it, it was more like it was more like a family accomplishment, you know, Brady, because yeah. like you know, like for me, like you know, everyone in my family played hockey, you know, like I played, both my brothers played, they both played AAA until they were about 14, 15 years old, they were very very good hockey players. One of them's a professional basketball player now, Liam. And, you know, and, you know, I got my sister, she played hockey ringette. So we're a big hockey family, man. And, you know, like I was just lucky enough, you know, to have enough components fall into place, man, that I was able to have an opportunity and, and you know, to do it. And, you know, like I, I was representing my family and like we all deserved, you know, to be there. And and I, I was just I just felt like I was just representing us all being there, man, because it was just it was, it was such a such a good great feat for a hockey person like. Hockey no thing. kidding, man. It doesn't get any better. And and let me tell you this, because I've talked to uh, like a lot of guys and it, it's, you know, if you play one game, you play 10, you play 100, you play 500, it doesn't matter. It's never enough. But the fact of the matter is that you played and nobody can ever take that from you, bro. Like you were there, man. And, and that's history. See you later. You know, you're, you're there, you made it. And like, I love how you, you referred to a family accomplishment because, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into to a kid playing hockey, chasing his dreams and, um, you know, being able to reflect back on that. It speaks volumes of, of yourself that you're thinking of your family in those moments and not just yourself because not everybody's like that, you know, not as everybody's like that. So it's, it's really nice to hear. Um, let me ask you kind of going back, um, before we move over to, to what happened when you were in Belfast, but what was the decision why you left the American league to go play in Quebec? Okay. So, I mean, I, I, when I signed a three-year entry-level contract with the Sabres, right. As a two-way contract. And then I was, I was lucky enough to sign a second contract. So I signed the one-year deal two-way uh, with the Sabres and Rochester, my fourth year pro, I was under NHL contract as well. And then, you know, after that fourth year, the Sabres decided to, to go in a different direction and they didn't offer me a contract. So I was I was lucky enough to get invited to the Chicago Blackhawks training camp. Um, and even though I went to the Chicago Blackhawks training camp and the Chicago Wolves have nothing to do with the Blackhawks, somehow I ended up on the Chicago Wolves that start of the next season. Now, the Chicago Wolves are like, an NHL team that's in the AHL with their yeah. budget, with, with, you know what I mean? In the AHL, you're only allowed to have five guys that can dress that have, that are veterans that have played over like 250 games or whatever it is to make yourself a veteran in the AHL. And, you know, the, the Chicago Wolves will hold like 10 veterans. 
So five of them will just be sitting in the stands, but they're guys that are making close to a hundred grand. The Chicago Wolves just have it like that. You know, their, their owner is a billionaire and they just have it like that. Okay. So when I was in Chicago, I was like one of those extra guys. They knew that I was one of the top heavyweights in the American League, but they did. They had their own guys that were Atlanta Thrasher guys that were, you know, maybe not a heavyweight like me, but they could do it. And obviously, Atlanta wants to see them play. So everybody was healthy, and I just, I just couldn't get into the lineup, brother. Like you know how that is. So I was a healthy scratch on a PTO, twenty-five game PTO. The twenty-five games were done. Um, uh, the the GM of the of the Winnipeg Jets, man, shovel day off. Shevel yeah. Dayoff was my general manager, okay, with the Wolves. So he brings me into the office. He's like, you know what, McMorrow, um, you know, we know you haven't gotten into any of these 25 games. Um, but uh, you know, the boys really like you, and you know, we we feel that you have a chance to get in the lineup soon. So we're actually gonna sign you to another 25 game PTO. <laughs> so they signed me to a second one, but Quebec was calling me, man. They that that was at a time when like an AHL tough guy could make really big money. Yeah. Big oh yeah. Money. I had my head down for a second, but yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right on it, man. Made really big money in that league. And you know, when I say really big money, I mean, a guy in the AHL is making 50 grand. Um, he could be making a hundred grand, but that's only five guys on each team. So most guys in the AHL are making between 50 and 70. If you're making something like that, your paycheck after taxes is going to be around the $2,500 marker. And that's every two weeks. But that's a good paycheck, especially when it's American money. And, you know, and, 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 then, and that's good. And so, but in Quebec, they were paying the tough guys, the AHL tough guys, $1,000 a game. Okay. So what I was offered is, you know, this is no secret. People, guys talk about this all the time. It doesn't happen anymore. But when I, the offers that I was getting from the Quebec League, and I was getting a call every single day, voicemails every single day, numbers changing. Um, we'll give you 700 a game. We'll give you 800 a game. We'll give you 900 a game. We'll give you $1,000 a game with, with a $50,000 signing bonus. What? And I was an eighth round pick of Buffalo. So I, and this is at my age, I mean, I'm older than you, Brady. So I'm in the era of the big signing bonuses. It wasn't yeah. until I think Sydney Crosby's age, which was 87. Eighty-six was the last year that okay, got it. So you know what I'm 80, talking about. You're right. 87. So yeah, for the 82s, guess. 255, great signing bonus, but that's what like a, a sixth, seventh, eighth rounder was getting. That's yeah. what Sidney Crosby got, like when they yeah. made the new rules. That's what the top guys were getting after that year, right? So yeah. guys that were my rookie age, guys like Jason Pomaville, Thomas Vanek, Ryan Miller, these guys were getting bonuses 800, 900, 1.1. Yeah. Me, my signing bonus was 50 grand. It was taxed. I was an eighth rounder. You know what I mean? So I made my little, little money, but I never – really made money like all my friends and teammates made because I was a late pick. There was only nine rounds in my draft. I was an eighth rounder, right? So so, so for me, now I'm 25 years old. I'm having an opportunity to get a little bit more money again. I never got to get a big signing bonus. I don't have any money saved. It'd be nice to get a nice chunk of money again. I'm not in the NHL right now. I, let me get my chunk of money. Let me pay off whatever I have to pay off. Let me be comfortable and let yeah. me actually be playing hockey and not sitting in the stands every game. Yeah. So as a competitor, I wanted to play so bad, but I really didn't want to give up the AHL dream. But I'm just like, man, at that age, Brady, you know that we think we're invincible. I'm like, man, I'll come back here. 
let me make a little bit of money and let me play some hockey. It really seems interesting over there, I, it, even though it looks like it's crazy. I just had some kind of draw to it, man. And 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 so I, so I ended up going, you know. And I know that took a long time to explain, but don't but worry I ended about up going. And um, and man, it was quite the experience, my friend. Yeah, yeah. and. And I mean, I, I know a, a little bit about that league. And I will say, too, for people, I want to jump ahead a little bit, but you did. Yeah. You did go back and play uh, in the American League after they're going to play yeah. there for a couple years, which is kind of unheard of. Well, wait till I add to that point. Do you want me to add to that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's okay, hear so, so I ended up playing. So it was halfway through the season that I ended up going from the Chicago Wolves to the St. Hyacinth Top Design was the name of the team. Yeah, so before you keep going, season. the reason why the reason sorry the reason why I kept referring it to as the LNAH instead of the real team is because I couldn't pronounce the names of the teams that you were on. That's why I knew what teams you played on, but I just didn't say them. So I was like, he's oh, up it, it's cool. No, it's better right. that you say LNAH. It's better that you say that because then it's giving the league recognition, and the league deserves that recognition right now. We'll yeah. get into that. But so so brother, I know it's it's unheard of to go from you know a semi-pro league back to the AHL. It's unheard of, but my story is even more unheard of because the second year that I played in that league, the full season, that was the year that I got the record for most fighting majors in a pro season. Okay. So now let me explain that a little bit. You did explain it in the bio a little bit, which was awesome. By the way, I wanted you to jump on. So let's hear it. No, it was awesome by the way. So now we, we were a first place team that year. Okay. So during the season, you're right. I think it was like 60 majors or 61 or, 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 or whatever it was. Okay. What got to the 86 was the playoffs, which in some websites, they don't count those fights because it's not like a regular stat. You usually just have the regular season. But for my record, what it is, is it's the regular season, 48 games. I think I had like 60 majors or 65. Then what it was, is it was three rounds of playoffs, seven games, seven games, six games. So it was 20 games where I had another like 20 or 22 majors, right? So if you if you do the 65 plus the 20, I got to the 84, whatever it was, it got to the 84, 86, sorry, 86 fighting majors. That's what it was, right? And that gave me the record for most fighting majors in a professional hockey season, okay? So now... <laughs> That got me some attention, right? The Edmonton Oilers that <laughs> season. So this now was 2008-2009 yep. training camp. Edmonton Oilers, the year that Steve McIntyre ended up getting there, I was there in camp because I got a National Hockey League invitation from the LNAH to the Edmonton Oilers, my third NHL training camp, my first Canadian NHL training camp, which is such an incredible experience. Yeah. Any NHL camp is cool, but to go to a Canadian camp yeah. and you can do the comparison with your experience. I went to Buffalo's camp five or six times from when I was 18 and then the four years under contract, two years not under contract, four years under contract, six years. Went to the Blackhawks camp, but then I went to go to Edmonton's camp. And man, Canadians have such a bigger passion for hockey. I love Americans. Americans love hockey, but we have it like that up here, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely different. And it was such a cool experience. And no, the year before I was in the LNH, 
And it could, and that was the year I didn't know that in Rockford. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. You played in Rockford. I knew you played in Rockford. I was in Edmonton camp before Rockford. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't know that. I'm so glad. I know that's a crazy story. That I that is. There's got to be a documentary on this stuff, man. I swear to God, there has to be. I've had Um, a couple. I've had a couple. Like, I've had a couple different. I don't know. I guess camps reach out to me. One is a British documentary um, that wanted to do a documentary kind of on my story. I talked to them in like a video conference call and then I never heard from them. So I guess maybe they pitched it to their people and I guess I wasn't interesting enough. I don't know. But I, I've, I have like, you know what I mean? Like I've had a couple book offers. I've had yeah. a couple things. But I mean, to tell you the truth, Brady, I wasn't even and, and this is kind of good because then we can like you can, yeah. you can go right into it. I never, um, I I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to talk about it. I wasn't ready to admit things. I wasn't ready to to even move on with it until a certain point. And that wasn't really until about a year ago, to be honest with you. Okay. I'd never really done any interviews about it. Um, All that was really out there was, you know, articles that are based on a plea agreement, like you explained in the beginning. And, you know, and that's the unfortunate thing. And, and like I don't like I I don't know where you want to start with this like what well, you man you man it's your I you tell okay. me where, where to go you're over you decide to, to go over to Belfast to play over there and uh, I know uh, from what I hear it's amazing over there uh, I've had yeah. a lot of friends go over there and I know they're they were really excited to have you um, over there and then you know you get the call saying that you know you're you've been charged in in New York right and is yeah. that where it was yeah so okay so I mean. Now it's like I can talk about it and I can have this look on my face, right? Yeah. Because I'm so like, there's so much weight that's off my shoulder when you're able to really talk about and get honest with things and stuff like that, right? Yeah, 100%. And the thing with, yes. And the thing with me, Brady, is that like that season was one of the best years of my life. Um, I had an opportunity to go to a team that was looking for not only a tough guy, not only a community guy, but really someone to be a very extremely outgoing player with the fans as well. And they wanted that all in one. And they wanted me to be that guy. Yeah. And this is a team that's in a in an area of the world where half my, my half my um like my my roots are from. Yeah. Um this is this is a part of the world that is so rich in history and culture. I'm a big culture and, and history buff, man. I just love that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So when I got over there, I never really understood how big of a deal it was of what I was doing, right? And I went over there and I was myself and I they they asked me right away. They're like, "What's your nickname?" And I'm like, "You know what? The, the only really nickname I've had other than Mac and Macker and is is the sheriff. The sheriff I I got that nickname from my owner in the LNAH when I first yeah. got there. Um didn't really I mean, sometimes I'd be called it didn't really, you know, didn't really stick with me. But in Belfast, they asked me what my nickname is. I tell them it's well, the side. It's the sheriff, right? Yeah. And they jumped on it, man. They promoted it. 
they, they we both embraced it. Everyone called me that no matter what. Um, I ended up doing a behind the scenes TV show in Belfast yes. called TV featuring the sheriff. And, you know, I ended up getting memorabilia, little badges, you know, t-shirts, you know, all this stuff. And, and it's not even about like materialistic stuff like that, Brady, but what it is, is it's like, it's, it's knowing that you're part of a movement. It's knowing that you're part of something that people care about. And even though this is just a character of the sheriff, I really felt happy to be a part of it. And it was the team and me trying to build something because I was the community guy and I was the guy doing all the appearances and I was the guy bringing the Catholics and Protestants together. And I was the guy that was able to give, deliver the message of if I followed suit of not being around people that may look the way I look or, or that may believe in the same things that I believe in. If I never hung around, if I never took a chance and went with people that weren't exactly the same as me, then I would never have a chance to be here right now with all of you. And that was yeah. the main part of my message that I was a player that just happened to be, that has some pigment in my skin, right? That happened to be the team tough guy that happened to be able to say, look, I'm different from most of the players of the sport that I play. Just because you have a different religion than your neighbor doesn't mean that you guys can't be in unity. Doesn't mean that yeah. you guys can't come together. Doesn't mean that you guys can't grow up together and that your kids can't be friends and that everyone can't live in harmony. And the Belfast Giants, they're used by the British government to bring the communities together. I, like, I, I know your last host was a giant, or your last guest was a yeah. giant. Yeah. I don't know if he explained the fact that there's no national anthem in that arena. I don't know if he explained the fact that you can't enter the Odyssey Arena with any type of sports colors other than the Belfast Giants jersey. You either wear regular street clothes or you wear a Belfast Giants jersey. There is no soccer jerseys coming in there. There's no certain colors where there's, you know, brawls in the stands because dudes wearing those type of colors and that soccer team is – no, no, no. There's none of that. None of wow. that could happen. And that's why it's a new sport. Ice hockey in the UK is a new sport. You're yeah. able to take a new sport that has – the Belfast Giants name was chosen because it's neutral in every aspect. The Giants Causeway is the northern tip of Ireland, and that's what the Giants are named after. It has nothing to do with no soccer team, religion, anything to do with that, man, that causes the conflict. It is, a, it is a neutral colors, neutral name, no national anthem. You come there to celebrate a team with someone that is Protestant, that's Catholic, that's Hindu, that, that's anything, man. You know what I mean? And that's how they're able to do it. And they were looking for a guy that could really, really do some good work with that. And I did everything I could to be a part of that. And I embraced it and had the best year of my life. Okay? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, then, man. Comes March. then comes March. Yeah. I get a call from my from an attorney that that I had chosen when I played in Rochester to help me with some like traffic tickets or something, right? So he was like technically my lawyer. And he gives me a call and tells me that um the US attorney, the US attorney's office in Rochester um has put out an indictment um for my arrest. And you know, so he's like, first of all, he's like, okay, so obviously this is just an attention grabber. Um, this is absolutely ridiculous. They do this once in a while with big sports figures in upstate New York. 
Um, at that time, I was a big name in Rochester. Rochester is a minor league city. They have a triple A baseball team. They have an AHL team. You know, they got a, they got a lacrosse team that plays against like the Toronto rock and stuff, but the, the Rochester Nighthawks. But the bottom line is, is those minor league teams are major league in those cities. And for me, you know, um, I'm on the all-time penalty minute list for the Rochester Americans. They're they're the second t- they're the second oldest team in the league after the Hershey Bears. And you know, I'm I'm literally I don't know if, if I'm third or if I'm fourth, but I'm I'm top five all time. I played four seasons there. Um, I won two Man of the Year awards. The other Man of the Year award was in Rockford uh, my last year in the league. And you know, I I just I I I had a great time there, man. But but the but what what I what I had to go through coming back was I was told that if I voluntarily came in, that I would automatically get a bond that would have no restrictions and no conditions um, as 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 a rule of thumb. So my lawyer said, so this is what we need to do. We need, we need you to come back in. We need you to face the charges. They're going to release you right away. I'm going to try to get this dropped within a couple of weeks. But Sean, we need to do this. I know it's hard, buddy, but we just have to do this. It's the only way it could be done. All right, no problem. Families in total support. I come back, drive in, you know, sign the papers, face the judge. Um, these are conspiracy charges that I was faced with. And I, a lot of people that, you know, that are unfamiliar with that, um, you know, to be charged with conspiracy, there doesn't have to be in the US, there doesn't have to be any physical evidence, there doesn't have to be any, you know, videotapes or, or photos or, or, you know, fingerprints, or doesn't have to be anything like that. But what there does have to be is there has to be more than one person that's willing to testify that you are part of the conspiracy. And unfortunately for myself, is I'm a guy that likes to hang out with all types of people, man. I don't yeah. care where you're from. If I find something interesting or cool about you, then I'm going to enjoy that cool and interesting thing about you. I don't care if you're, you know, if you were homeless for 10 years and now you're a volunteer worker at the YMCA and, and man, we're, we're shooting hoops and Hey man, you want to have a Coke after and you don't have a Sprite, whatever. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. We're buddies, man. It doesn't matter if you're an Ivy league graduate. It doesn't matter to me. I like everybody. Right. And that's my problem is sometimes I allow myself to be around people that maybe I shouldn't be, but because yeah. I think there's something good in them that I'm around them. And I, what I learned Brady from the whole situation is that guilt by association goes a long way, man. And you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go over that line and be, and be around things that you shouldn't be and, and think that you're turning a blind eye and think that, you know, because that, you know, that you play on a professional team that somehow you're going to get protected, then guys, boys and girls, that is not right. You know what I mean? So it, it, and it's, and it's like a magnet, man. It's like a magnet. Anybody that, you know, has any kind of like, you know, political background or sports background or, you know, anything that, you know, you'd have an encyclopedia for or anything like that, man. If you're of that status and you're around anything negative, the negative stuff is going to, it's going to come to you. It's going to fling to you. It's going to stick to yeah. you. Mean, and then you're going to have to talk for that and you're going to have to face that. And so what happened with me is I was literally friends with guys that were doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And when they got in trouble a couple of years after, you know, I left Rochester, um, you know, they pretty much gave a story that I was their boss and that they're working for me and that I'm a, a NHL star playing for the Buffalo Sabres and that if they're willing to tell this story, would they be able to get out of the trouble that they're currently in? 
And, and unfortunately for me, um, the FBI jumped all over it, man. They jumped all over it. They said, tell us, please, please tell us about this hockey player that you're working for. We want to know everything. We will drop everything to do with you. We just want the hockey player. Oh, he's a black hockey player? Woo! That there's a lot of things to talk about. Like I'm like, I'm sure we will have like another show where we can. Yeah, I was just gonna say we're gonna have to like soon. Yeah, more, more, more. We got lots of time, but I'm saying we're gonna have to do this lots, man. I'm enjoying this, but keep going. Oh, yes. What I'm saying, like, like we'll probably do a show, you know, which which is more we kind of focus more on this. But I mean, to make a long story short, brother, pretty much what happened with me is I had two friends of mine that literally about two years after the last time I saw them got into a lot of trouble out of state and they were held and they pretty much came up with a story that if they admitted to everything that they do, but said that a professional hockey player was their boss, they might be able to get out of it. And they were successful and their, their charges were dropped. What they had to do was they had to plead guilty to the story that they said I was a part of. Neither of them did any jail time or anything like that. I was charged with conspiracy trafficking and conspiracy importing. Okay. And this is marijuana. Okay. And which is, which is funny now, you know, being from Canada. Right. But regardless of the fact there's, there's laws that you have to follow and there's, there's, and there's rules, there's, there's the laws of the land. Right. And if you break those laws, you got to pay the consequences. And so I was charged with conspiracy. Um, The only thing they really had on me was that I had two people that were testifying against me. You know what I mean? Like this is years after I even like was around them. So like they, they wouldn't even have been able to like try to gather marijuana that they could say was part of, there wasn't even, it wasn't even possible, man. This was a story. And in the U S it's, it's hilarious that, that, that it actually could go down like that. Like some people are like, man, like they'll hear me talk about it and they'll be like, man, is he sure? Is it that really how it works? Yeah, it's how it works. Have you ever heard the, the American justice system is broken? You ever heard yeah. that term before? We've all heard it. We've heard it hundreds of times. You lived I got it. to experience it as a Canadian. Man, and there's a, you're not the only one. I know my friend Ryan Phillips, he got caught up in the same thing. Uh, former pro hockey player, same sort of uh, deal. And he did uh, roughly the same time I think you did. And I actually have a friend, um, not, not a hockey player. Actually, he's really good friends with Stephen Pete. Um, who's really having a hard time right now for anybody listening ever comes across Stephen Pete. I know there's uh, one guy, I'm not going to out him on my podcast that talks to me about him uh, now and again, but former NHL tough guy, Stephen Pete, having a really hard time. He's actually, I heard he's living in my hometown of Port Coquitlam back in BC. And, um, you know, but this guy that was best friends with PD, I met him and when I was in jail out West and now he's been extradited to the States doing three years for conspiracy as well. And it's just, so I, I know it all too well. I went all through his doc. He showed me everything. So I know exactly the kind of stuff where it's like, you know, it's pretty much hearsay and it's your word against theirs. And, um, it's really unfortunate, but tell me a little bit about that feeling because man, like, you know, you're already not happy because you're, you know, you're like signing something that's clearly, you know, um, you know, fabricated on, on levels. We don't even care. I don't care on what level, but fabricated story. And, um, you have a lawyer going, Hey, Sean, um, you know, you got to sign this, but don't worry. You're going home today, um, with your family. Um, your family's there to support you to show that, you know, Hey, you know, he's a good guy. We're all here. We're all going home together and you're willing to sign this just to sort of, sort of signing it as a get out of jail free card because you basically had no other choice. Otherwise they're like, if you don't sign this, you're going to jail. So they kind of forced your hand. And then when the judge turns around and goes, 
sentence, two years, penitentiary. Tell me what that felt like. Well, I mean, for, for me, it was, it, it was, it was a little bit of a, a longer process because I actually, I, from the time that, from the time that I was indicted to the time that I was sentenced was two seasons, two hockey seasons. So one of those seasons, I was playing for the Dundee Stars. Yeah. The other season, I was playing for the Marquis de Jonquière, the team that, that I play in the LNH. Okay. During the reason why I left Dundee was because I had to go to court. I'm not going to fly back from Scotland to New York for court. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to make the switch, play in the Quebec league, be able to travel there. You have to remember, like I, I was indicted and I had no con restrictions or conditions. I played professional hockey in, in the UK after the indictment. That's how silly this thing is. If yeah. there was any legitimacy to it, there was, there's not a chance that they would let me do that. Okay. So that's, that's the one thing. The second thing is my indictment was the lowest, um, the, the, the minimal requirements for a federal indictment were the numbers that they threw out there, like the weights and how much it was and all that kind of stuff. It was the minimal requirements, right? It, there's also, there's also a, a five-year statute of limitations in, in the U.S., okay? So get this one. Um, they, they claim that they did the indictment four years, 11 months, and 29 days after the last known crime. <laughs> oh my God. So, okay. So, so there, then there's that. Right? That's what I thought. Yeah. Then there's the fact that, you know, I had like, so that last year leading up to the sentencing, you know, I'm playing for the marquee and, you know, like I, like the court would be like, I would have to go like maybe once every, let's say eight, nine weeks or something. Right. So it was like maybe four or five times during that season, I had to go down there. So during that time, it's like, you know, it's different stupid shit that they do. But the one time that I had to sign the plea agreement, pretty much well, how my lawyer convinced me to do it was he explained to me that the judge on, and which was documented, he said that he was strongly considering a probation sentence but that he was also saying that if I signed the plea agreement, that there was no floor. So it's possible that I just could have got released, just released, not even yeah. probation. Like that's how much I thought that I was going home that day. Secondly, um, when I came down for the sentencing, yeah, I had 25 people in the courtroom. I also was, you know, I, like I was engaged at the time. Yeah. And Sorry that, okay. I wasn't sure if you still were, but I knew that she was there. Yeah. At the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was engaged at the time. My fiance's family is all from Rochester. So they're all there. My family's all there. It's a big party planned in Toronto that evening. Okay. And so then the proceedings start. You know, how it worked is, you know, uh, the, the prosecution said something. And then, and then, no, the, my lawyer says something. And then the prosecution gets to go last. And then, and then I got a chance to speak and, you know, you better believe that I spoke. Yeah. Right. And it was straight from the heart, man, telling this guy everything that I've been through and realized and what I've learned and everything, man, there's not one ounce of words that I regret not keeping out or anything man. it was all put out there. I had so much support from my family brother i can't even explain to you i had so many character reference letters from fucking coaches from fucking randy cunnyworth from people from the sabers from buddy i had so much support 
I had a lawyer telling me that I'm getting released. I had all this going on in my mind. And then the judge has to say his words. And I'll never forget the, the way that he said it too, because it was echoing in my mind for probably months after that day. So, you know, when I started to get worried was kind of like halfway through his speech, because I mean, the man saying a speech and like, and the other, I know I'm sidelining a lot of stuff, but my lawyer also explained to me that this judge was a Jesuit Christian and Jesuit Christians are about redemption and about, you know, and about, um, I can't think of the word I want to use right now, but you know what I mean? It's all about like, you know, revival almost. Yeah, man, all this type of stuff. And like, you know, and, and, and you have to remember it was two years between the indictment and the sentencing. So during that time, I mean, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I, I think of myself as a smart guy. So like, obviously I did things that were active to show that, you know, I'm really trying to, you know, on top of the way I am anyway. Right. So yeah. I have all this stuff going for me, brother. And he's saying this speech and, he, and, and, and I'm hearing like this tone and I'm, and, and I'm thinking like, like, is this guy going to send me to jail right now? Like it sound kind of sounds like he might. And then, and then he's going on and, and, and I hear the word like, like I know you've made a, amends, amends. Jesuit Christians, they're big believers in making oh, amends. Yeah. And 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 the and the man says like, I know you've made amends and the things that you've done. And like, even if like, even if I was in a situation where I was like, you know what, I did everything right. I did everything. Okay, if if I was in that situation, if you look at the timeline of when they said it happened, and then the things that I did in my life after. Just the timelines, you're like, okay, like this guy, like he may, he may have like went through a little something, but you know what? Like this was so long ago. They were saying it like this was in 2010, man. They were saying it was between 2002 and 2005, man. You know what I mean? Like this was a long time like ago and it was a conspiracy case and, you know, and, and, and then, so that, so then I hear the judge say the word Liberty say like, you know, I know that you've been through a lot in the media and this, but the only real way to know about your mistake is liberty. And I'm like, he's going to do it. He's going to send me, man. He's going to do it. I can't believe this. Is he going to do it? And then all of a sudden he goes, I hereby sentence you to the federal state, to, 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 to the federal bureau of, of, of prisons for a term of 24 months and then i thought to myself 24 months is two years right and so me being on paper me being a first-time offender um no violence no no weapons in this case um Normally, if I knew that I was going to be doing some time, like a lot of people have cases and, you know, they're nonviolent cases, especially like fraud stuff and like, yeah. you know, white collar crimes. So, so they're able to get bail. And then if they know they're going to end up doing some time, like if they know they're going to end up getting like six months or 12 months or 18 months or whatever, and they know that they're going to have to do it, usually their lawyer would be able to, to set up, um, it, it's called, um, it's called um, inversion. No, no, no. But what it is is a self-surrender. 
So what it is is okay. So that that day, I got sentenced to twenty four months. So if my lawyer was honest with me and said, you know what, Sean, it doesn't really matter what's happening here, bro. They want you to go to jail for a little bit. They want the publicity. They want it's just gonna happen. So you're gonna have to go. Hopefully, it's only six months or something, bro. But you're gonna have to go. So what we're gonna do is because you're you've never been in trouble before. There's no violence, no weapons, all that bullshit. What we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go for um uh, that word that term I just used. Um, and so what it means is that they allow you 30 to 45 days to get all your affairs in order and your family can literally drive you to the institution. And then you don't have to go to the places before the institution, which are usually the worst spots, which yep. is for me, right? Cause you're, you're in like a transfer place for like six weeks and then you go, right? So you, you can avoid all that and really be prepared, really get all your things in order, put something in a storage unit, whatever you need to do, man. And then your family could take you. You could do. I didn't get to do any of that, man. My lawyer was stringing me along, thinking I was thinking that, that I wasn't. I wasn't even going to go. And then so when it happened, there was no like. I just had to go. I just had to go. Right. So yeah. so my my lawyer says like, Judge, um, can my client say uh, uh goodbye to his to his fiance and mom or brother because they were like all in the front row. And the judge is like, Yeah, okay. So then I'm, I'm just like, buddy, I'm, I'm totally on another planet. Like not yeah. even thinking this is even reality. I'm like, wait, I'm just waiting to hear the alarm on the phone, man. Just waiting to hear the alarm, right? On the phone to wake up, right? And, you know, so I walk back. I'm obviously, I'm crying. I don't know what to do or yeah. think. You know what I mean? And, and then, you know, I, I hug my fiance, hug my brother, like I, I hug my mom. My mom's like, everything's going to be okay. I'm like, Jesus. And, and then, and then, you know, then they bring me to the back and I have to wait a little bit. And then, and then boom, and then you know the the um, the 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 police department that is like outside of the cities um, in in New York State, like their sheriff departments, right? So yeah. hauled off by the sheriff. The sheriff's gone in his car. Where's he going though? He's not on the right side of it this time, yeah. right? So. Um, they did me a favor and because I was big news, right? Like it was front page yeah. of the paper, McMorrow sentencing today and all this bullshit, right? And so like, so they did me a favor and they didn't make me go to like the city jail, like until I was going wherever. They they brought me like an hour out. It's called, it's called um, uh, Seneca, Seneca jail or whatever, the, whatever. It was like an hour outside of Rochester. So like. No one really knew who I was. And, you know, they did me that favor because it's just like, yeah. and I'm not saying that, like, it just, you know what I mean? Like, I would have had to probably be put somewhere special if I was in Rochester just because I was like was so well known. So I just got to do everything regular because they, 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 they sent me a little bit away. But I mean, for me, it was devastating, man. It was devastating to know that, you know, that, that you can believe something so deeply and it could just not be true. It was devastating for me to, to know that I had so much support and love and, you know, and, and then, and then just, and then just boom, it just didn't work. Like, I, it was just like, like, I don't know, man. Like it was just, it, it was, it was, I was baffled, man. I, it was, it was like, you know, like it was, it was, it's something that is something that's hard to explain because it's just like, it doesn't seem real at the time. And like, I'm sure that you can kind of emphasize with that a little bit. A little um, bit, but like, man, like a little bit, but listen, when I went to jail, I did a lot of crimes. There was evidence. Yeah. There was this. I would, yeah. I pled. I was yeah. like, I did this. I knew 
they wanted like five years for me and I pled guilty to a two year plea. So I knew ahead of time, I didn't know for, I was sat on remand for like eight months, not knowing my fate, thinking it could be four or five, six years, ended up pleading, yeah. getting two. Then I also did another year here out here in Ontario, but like to your point, it's like, it was such a long time. And like, I, you maybe heard me in the introduction, like just recently, the crown up here threw out my charges um, from two years ago um, that, you know, were, wasn't a conspiracy charge. They, you know, there was stuff found in the car, like a lot of, you know, it was another guy in there and some, you know, it, it's debatable. Like, you know, most of it was probably his, but you know, a lot of it was my personal stuff, but it looks like trafficking. Well, there was a lot of fentanyl and different things in that car where they wanted seven years. And now that I've turned my life around, they were like, I got a text from my lawyer the other day. He's like, congratulations, your charge has been withdrawn. So it's like, I, I hear your story and it's like, wow, wow, those guys are, what a horrible bunch of people they are. Everybody I mean, involved. I mean, Go ahead. Brady, like, 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 like the most upsetting thing was, you know, just hearing that, you know, the assistant U.S. attorney and the U.S. attorney both got promotions a week after my my thing, right? And they were like, but they were little celebrities in the, in the FBI office, man. There's a, there's a federal FBI office in Rogers yeah. and they, they were celebrities because they, they, they had taken down a, a hockey player. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, it was me, you know, very entertaining story. Too bad. It's me. Right. And then, so for me, Brady, I mean, honestly, buddy, like, I, like, I know that, that that's a lot to hear and stuff and, you know, but the way that I look at it, man, is again, a man is judged by his experiences that he's been through and the way that he's reacted to them. Right. And I just think that there's a reason why that there's been this roadblock in my life. Um, it set me back quite a bit. Okay. Um, it set me back, you know, mentally, emotionally, it took me a while to 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 you know when, when i say a while I'm, I'm talking about like a year or a, a two years it took me a while to kind of get over this when it was all said and done even though i did go back to hockey i think a lot of it was acting um i think i was so hungry to return to my the life that i was in um that you know that i i embraced that and i and i did it but mentally, I really wasn't ready for a lot of the things that I did the years following going through that experience. And, you know, I had decided at some point that I just thought it was like a, it was going to be like kind of a book story ending where I was going to retire from hockey and I was going to become a big TV sports broadcaster because I was getting an interview and this was just the way it was supposed to be and everything's just going to be absolutely great. And when it didn't turn out that way, because I wasn't strong mentally and because there was so many things that I really hadn't figured out that was hurting me inside from my experience and, and from, and from feeling like the world's against me, man. Like I went through months thinking that this was a big conspiracy that someone's got to be a whistleblower, man. Someone's got to help me. Like I went through months thinking that way. Okay. It took me a while to accept what happened because I just really couldn't believe it. And, but as we sit here and talk about this story, there's many, many people, man, that have been through things that just shouldn't have happened. Right. And for me, I had family, I had friends, I had loved ones. I had a lot of people support me and get me through this. 
And that's really what's going to be the reason why I'm successful at anything in my life. Because I know that no matter what, if you try hard enough and you have the support, you can do anything you want, right? And so that's a beautiful thing. And yeah, am I, am I bitter? Am I upset? Am I, am, I, am I thinking that I may have lost some time? You know what? In a way, I was preserved for a little bit, Brady. I didn't smoke any cigarettes. I didn't drink any alcohol. I didn't smoke any marijuana. I didn't do any drugs. All I did was eat shitty food and, and <laughs> take fake vitamins and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and I worked out, man. And I, and I got my, and I, I was an OHL guy that got traded a bunch of times, man. I never graduated high school when I turned pro, but I graduated when I was 30 years old in a place that I never wanted to be in, man. And I, and I graduated and I got my GED and then I started teaching the GED. I started, I started teaching exercise classes. I started making business plans. I started realizing why did I enjoy myself so much when I was overseas in Belfast doing those appearances? Why did I have so much fun doing those behind the scene shows? It's because that's my passion. And, and it took me some time to think about it. And, and then I realized why I enjoy doing those things so much. It's because I love it. I love <laughs> it. It's my passion. And that's what I want to do. And then I realized that, you know what? All these things, man, this is just what I'm going to do for the next 35 years of my life. I'm going to do public speaking. I'm hopefully going to become a sports broadcaster. You know, I'm, I'm starting this podcast up because this is what I love to do. I have a really strong message, but I also had an opportunity to play professional hockey for 13 years as well as be a big true fan. And, and that's really what I, what I want to do is I, I, I want to give out the best content possible from a player and a fan. And all these experiences that I've been through, Brady, it only strengthens my character, man. And, and like people kind of stereotype people that have been through experiences like me and you. But all I can say to those people is that you really have to do your research and find out every specific person's story. Because there's a lot of different reasons why people have to be involved with stuff like that. And when you find out what the real reason is, sometimes your opinion can change. And the experience that I went through, I realized a lot about when we hear about things on the news. Like I look at things completely different now when I read articles and I'm on the news. Because like, you know, first of all, negative news is the big news. Everybody wants to read about someone getting in trouble and this, that, the other. The thing that you explained about the plea agreements, it's, it's pretty interesting because when once you sign that agreement that makes it fair game for any media outlet to write an article based on the information that was written in that thing that you signed right yeah. so even though it might not be true you signed it to do the agreement so it's fair game they can write whatever they want and that was my problem my problem was because of that i got a bunch of articles that were written negatively about me about what happened and because I wasn't ready to talk about it, it took me a few years to actually do some redemption articles and some like, you know what I mean? If you Google my name, like, yeah, there's a couple weird articles, but there's also a couple kind of cool articles about it. So it kind of like evens it out a bit and it mm -hmm. balances it out. And, and Brady, it, it, you're, 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 you have a platform, right? And you have a great story. I have a great story as well. But what I want people to know is that, you know, I'm who I am. My experiences make me stronger. 
but I just want to have an impact in the world where I can be positive in a positive light. And so for me, being part of a, a media type job, being a community guy, those are my strengths, man. I like to bring people together. I like to uplift. Yeah. And listen, man, I, I wholeheart, I wouldn't just say this, like I wholehearted believe that you're going to find and you're going to land exactly where you need to be and where you want to be. Um, and you're going to see, uh, you're going to really start to see why you were tested, uh, why that happened to you. And uh, it may not be today or tomorrow. And maybe some things have already shown, shown you that light, but you'd be surprised, man. You keep on this path. And with that attitude, um, you're going to help a lot of people um, in a lot of different aspects. And that could just be lifting people up um, because you have that, you have that great energy about you. Um, and you're that character guy that, that I've heard about for the past, you know, year since I first, you know, came across your story and, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't know uh, the finer details of it until very recently. Um, and, you know, obviously I didn't know um, you shared even more. And I'm so appreciative of that. Um, we're getting a little bit crunched for time or close to two hours, but I'm going to we're going to have to do this again. And you and I are going to have to talk um, tomorrow or very soon on how we can somehow, you know, work together on a regular basis um, through different channels and, and um, you know, because I feel very passionate about the same things you're passionate about. And uh, if there's anything that I can ever do to to help you or or whatever, not even that you need me, but man, I, I just want to let you know that I'm on board with it 100%. And, um, but before I do uh, let you go, um, there's a couple of questions. Uh, I want to get to a couple of comments, but there's a question I have for you. Um, you played last year. Are you done? Are you retiring? So, Last year, I made a comeback, played 10 games, hurt my hand, COVID happened, right? To be honest, I think I'm done now, man. Yeah? I think I'm done. I, th I don't think it would be smart for me to go back. I think my body's, my body's said enough, and players make mistakes by sticking around too long, trying to make the dream stick around. I think that I'm ready to, to take a step back and to be on the media side of the game now, man. Right on. And, and you know what, I, the way you just said that, I feel that you're at peace with that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. and, and it's a, it's never an easy decision, but I feel like because you've gone through the stuff that you've gone through and you've already kind of faced that adversity that a lot of guys face when they retire, um, you know, you were forced into retirement for two years while being in jail and, and still made a comeback. Um, and it's an amazing story. I mean, I went to jail and I was much younger than you. Um, and I'm I'm 33, you're 39. I mean, like, I haven't played since I was 24. I never made a comeback after what I went through. So like kudos to you, man. And I'm but I'll be honest, I'm I'm at the same place you are. Uh, I'm done too. And you know, moving on to different things, but still staying involved in hockey in a different capacity is it it's a beautiful opportunity that we have because we have those experiences through hockey and through life and everything else. And um, you know, I I really am going to encourage you to to continue sharing your story and pushing out, you know, podcasts. And I really believe, man, that you have the capacity to really, like you said, that your passion to bring people together uh, and to make people feel good. Cause I really enjoyed this. And uh, before we let you go though, I'm going to get to a couple comments cause they've been coming in um, since the beginning. Sandra Murray says, I'm here to help at the very beginning. My friend, David Carlson says, hello from David at Sniper's skate shop. Uh, Susan upstairs says, hello, David. I guess they were talking on their own little conversation. Hello to you. Don't not, not saying hello to us, Susan. That's, that's great. Thanks. Uh, Mike Bordeaux says, hello from North Bay. 
Um, skipping along. Oh, Gary Deck. Wow, great introduction, Brady. Hi, Sean. Hey, Gary. Uh, what's up, buddy? Yeah, he's a good guy. Great guy. Um, Sandra says Irish Mexican gal right here. That's our executive. You're going to get to know Sandra. She's the executive director of mental health and addiction for puck support. And she's unreal. And Oh, look, she was telling us Matt Dumba the whole time. Matt Dumba. Uh, Matthew, uh, Meanser, Meinzer says, let's go Buffalo. That was early on too. in the, uh, in the podcast, obviously a Buffalo fan. Um, he says, I'm down here in South America coaching hockey for everyone. That's really cool. Good for you, Matthew. Thank you for growing the game down in South America. That's really cool. That is really uh, cool. He also said Razor Ray on when you're talking about Rob Ray, which is really cool. I really enjoy that. Legend. And I, I was so into, into everything you were saying, man. Like I, I do a pretty good job listening all the time, but I was really like, I don't know, because just because, you know, we've lived similar paths in a way where, you know, you know, I was really curious as to how that all unfolded and, and you're going to hear some comments in a minute about what people thought of it too. So uh, David Carlson wants to know, does Sean do any public speaking? I mean, I like, like that's what, that's what I'm interested in doing. Um, I've looked into it a little bit and there is some things that I'm going to start doing, like, like kind of like practicing and stuff like that. So um, to answer your question, um, I'm an aspiring public speaker and I'm going to be starting very soon. That's awesome to hear. And, and I'm with you on that one. And so there's a couple other people, uh, Paul Rosen being one of them, where we, you know, we would love to, you know, team up together and sort of do like a, you know, cross Canada, you know, because I can't go to the States either. So uh, cross Canada, um, you know, tour where we go, you know, to different communities and, and, you know, I'll share our stories in different capacities and bring the communities together and introduce them to mental health professionals and whoever in their communities and everything else. Um, and I think it would be a great idea. I mean, if we could all team up um, somehow, I really envision um, this happening. And, you know, I, I would love for you to be a part of that if you wanted to be in it. You know what? The thing is, when it comes to public speaking, when you've lived the life like yourself, um, that's a great opportunity where you can provide a nice living for yourself. And that would be something that I could do for myself. And if I was to get paid for that, I wouldn't feel bad about, you know, being paid for that. You know, if you're going to go out and speak and share your story, get paid for that. When it comes to like some of the stuff I'm doing now, it's like, ah, I don't really care about getting paid. I'm, I'm not really the money guy. I could care less about money. I, I'm happy with nothing as long as I'm feeling good in my heart. And sometimes it comes back to bite me in the butt, but that's all right. Um, Bobby Hummer says, Mr. Levo, like how you put your teeth in for the podcast. Yes, Bobby, thank you. Um, Sandra says, Celtic nations are amazingly immersed in culture. They live in it in their daily lives. Love the inclusiveness spirit of the Belfast Giants. And I'll echo that. That was a really cool story. Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, they're, they're, a great, they're a great franchise, great team. And yeah, if, if you want to learn more about them, Google the team. Google what I was talking about. It's all true stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, school. Cool. I had a couple other buddies play there as well. You never played with Dave Rutherford, did you? No, I haven't. You missed him. You missed him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a lifelong friend, was over there for a bit. Um couple guys, Susan, Susan st- upstairs says those are not friends no friends set you up sorry to hear that um moving along wow these two ass hats ruined your whole career that's horrible but you can't live in the past but i mean you know it is but people see people are hearing you right wow sounds like west new york um sandra who worked in law enforcement says your attorney was terrible in my opinion on various levels saying that as a retired law enforcement slash corrections officer i'm so sorry that that happened to you um yeah, it's uh oh, question for you. I appreciate you. that. 
Yeah. Have you uh, since had any contact with the people that provided the testimony the federal prosecutor was able to use to secure your conviction? Were, were they ever present in the courtroom at any time during the legal process? I mean, I... <laughs> This type of stuff, like like this type of stuff, I haven't talked about in a while. But but just so you know, like, man, I always I always thought that one day that there's just gonna be someone in that office that just is just like, you know what, we did this guy wrong, and I'm gonna tell everyone about it. And and I I always, yeah, I'm a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. I still think that I'm gonna win the lottery. You know what I mean? So like, I, I, I but I, I'm a dreamer. I and and I just believe that that it will get resolved one day, and it and the, and the story will be told that it was really really shady how that process went at yeah. my dispense. Yeah, Excellent. and Excellent. I, I I would love to see that too, man. I would. It wouldn't give you your those two years back, but man, wouldn't that feel good to have somebody come out and actually do the right thing? You know what I mean? It would. And people tend, you know, some people might do that, and and maybe yeah. it's not a far off dream. And let me tell you, when you know, you think about things and you put things out there, that's how you get stuff to happen. I, I truly I know that. I know. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, Brett Harvey was the assistant U.S. attorney. I mean, he was the guy, and. I mean that that was it was it's it, it's it's definitely something that 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 I think is unresolved, man. Yeah, well, well, we'll just uh, we'll leave it at that for now. But I'm, I'm with you. I would love to see that uh, PMA PMA all day. Keep the positive mental attitude. I think that's great advice too. He also says, "Got to get you boys down to Argentina. Come visit pond hockey heaven." He says. Oh Matthew, yeah, Matthew means are you gonna have you're gonna have to send me some pictures. I don't know if he's joking about an ODR. I picture Argentina being hot, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, the last one, um, the greatest comeback you all could make is what you're doing right now, teaching the younger kids how to avoid situations you have all survived. Maybe coaching youth hockey and being a part of the change is the best comeback anyone can make. P.S. Go Sabers. That's Will Clark. He grew up in uh, in New York. Um, so um, great advice, Will. And you know, listen, uh, Sheriff. I think we'll think we'll wrap it up at that. But we're gonna honestly, man, we're gonna have to do this again and really stay in contact because I feel a very, very close connection and I feel uh, very inspired. Um, to work closely with you, man. I think together, along with a couple other people, we can really make a difference. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm so, I feel so honored to have this conversation with you, man. It was, I really thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think people did too. Do you mind if I just plug my podcast real quick? Not at all. Yeah, all right, so, so, yeah, by all means, yes, go yeah, ahead. No problem. Okay, so guys, I, I started a new show. It's called The Sheriff. Okay, it's called The Sheriff. Uh, we're just releasing the best content possible. It's a hockey podcast. Um, I have a co-host that's name is Kyle Warner. You can get a hold of him at WarnerKyle29 on Twitter. Our Twitter page for The Sheriff is at the Sheriff 2021 So that's our podcast um, Twitter page. And every you can get a hold of me, Sheriff McMorrow, on all platforms. And and yeah, you know we're we're just trying to to get get out the best con content possible, guys. And if one day we can get on Brady's level, I will be so happy. Man, you're listen. You're already there, bro. You're there, man. Like you're the way you speak and the way that you have that energy. You're, but you'll be flying past me. You're already there, man. So don't even think about that. Um, I'm in your corner. Anything that I can do to help. Um, if you want to ever collab, if you want to come on the Puck Support Podcast Network, you guys talk that over. Um, strength in numbers, and, and you know, put it put our podcast on the same network, and and you know, you have your days, I have my days, and we. 
cross collab. We also have um, a, a younger generation uh, creating podcasts in the near future too. Um, also talk to a couple others that I can't say on, um, you know, on the record yet, but possibly a couple of females coming to join the network on a hockey podcast, which is really cool. So big things in the works. And I think, man, honestly, I think that your podcast is going to be very successful. Well, I appreciate that, man. And, and like I said, like, you know, there's there's certain people that I that I kind of look up to and telling you, can you hear me now, my friend? There we go. He's back. <laughs> All right, try that again. I'm sorry about that, guys. Sorry you know what? That. I was just so I was so excited to talk about Brady that I just just the whole thing just blew up, you know. But what I was saying while you couldn't hear me was that I look up to you a lot for the podcast stuff, and I appreciate what you do because as of as a hockey player, as a former hockey player. I really, really appreciate the message that you send men because I've played with so many guys that have had issues with mental health and with addiction. And I think what you do is so important. I can't even tell you how much. And I want to thank you personally for what you do. I look up to you, Brady, and I know a lot of other people do. And just keep doing what you do, my friend. Thanks, man. Listen, that from you, that that truly means a lot. And and honestly, man, the way that you are, even though I don't know you that well, um, funny because I read in, I, you know, I've read a couple articles, and the one from Carson Shields was really good. And he he put it like this. He said, "I didn't know uh, Sean McMorrow before writing this article, um, and people can you know judge him on." his past and everything else he said, but you know, after writing this article uh, on you, he felt that he knew you on such a personal level um, and that you guys were friends and that you were a champion in his books. Yeah. Come sit in. I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to introduce my mom because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, right. I'm, I'm live from my mom's house. <laughs> Hi, Hi, sweetheart. My. I know, buddy. I'm I'm very different. I know you don't have guests that do this. No, <laughs> what are you talking about? I love it. Oh man, we're She's into taller. it. She's taller than me, man. <laughs> That's okay. Awesome. Good night, guys. Thank you so much for bringing her in, Sean. That's so cool. I'm uh, see. What do you mean? I, why? You, that's the coolest thing that happened all episode right there. I love it. I know. She- <laughs> okay, buddy. We'll talk soon, all right? All right, guys, that's the Sheriff, Sean McMorrow. Um, Awesome conversation. I am not surprised one bit. Me and that guy, we got to get together. um, And seriously, we're going to change the world. There's a few of us. We're going to get together. We're going to change the world. Um, We're going to entertain people. We're going to educate people. And uh, show people that, you know what, when life throws you down it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter unless unless you're going to stay down there and you're going to let the haters um the devils out there because there's so many of them god is there so many of them there's people that just want to take your energy and bring you down um those are the people that know that they can't get on the winning team because they're not willing to do the work themselves and until they're willing to do that um you know, I got no time for those people, and it's pretty clear that the sheriff doesn't either. And, you know, to all of those um, that have supported myself and supported Sean, um, including his family members, my family, through those hard times, thank you so much. I know Sean thanked his family a lot. And, um, I mean, we can't do this without the support of, you know, those closest to us. And what I've learned, the people that I never met that, 
open their hearts, open their ears um, to my story, um, to other guys that have done similar things like Sean, where they're like, hey, people may make, make mistakes and arguably, you know, I think he got screwed so bad, but, you know, he's going to continue to work through that. And it seems like he's on the, on the way up. And, you know, again, it goes back to, if we want to stay um, in that hatred where people are trying to steal our energy and stuff, I mean, I know how it goes. And I hope that people out there, if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling down or you feel like the world's against you, or if there are people that are against you, Stand up for yourself. Stand up for yourself and ditch those people that are bringing you down. I mean, seriously, it's because there's enough love in the world. There's enough good people in the world. Um, but like Sean said, I mean, it's negative news and negative everything is so, it's like, ah, it's just always constant, it seems like. And so sometimes you got to be like him and you just got to fight. Just fight through that crap. And, uh, Really proud of the guy for, for where he's at today. And I, I'm thankful that he was able to speak on a lot of that because I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. Um, you guys have to understand that when your freedom is taken from you, especially in a manner like that, it's it's real. Like, it's real. This is time that you don't get back. Uh, but again, it's how do you, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? And... Uh, I think, you know, he made the best of it and he's, uh, I truly believe that he's going to do some amazing things and, and we are. And that brings me into tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Puck Support Prayer Group. If anybody is out there, again, this is not super faith-based. Um, it's about getting together uh, and, you know, bringing, bringing some love and good. And if, you know, you need some positive support in your life, um, you need some prayer in your life, join us at 10 a.m., uh, I'll have the Zoom link on the Puck Support Facebook page, on my personal page. Um, it's open to everybody. 10 a.m. Eastern. It's run by Nathan Weeb, our chaplain here at Puck Support. He's also the chaplain of the Swift Current Broncos and the Swift Current Legionnaires. And just an incredible young man. I can say that because he's younger than me. I'm finally at that point where it's like I'm becoming a little bit older and there's you know, guys and girls younger than me that I like look up to a little bit. And I feel like the old guy, I always felt like the young guy. So join us tomorrow, 10 a.m. I'm really looking forward to it. Our first one was last weekend. It was a small group. At the end of the day, if it's just Nathan and I, we'll be there. And it's open to everybody. So if you want to come, make sure you set your alarms, Sandra. Just joking. Um, what else before we go? I didn't get any pictures of people in puck support swag for two episodes in a row. I apologize about that. I have some pictures of Blair and Mandy Buckman that I want to show. A bunch of people got their stuff today. Thank you to everybody that uh, has supported us. Uh, it's been an unbelievable ride. We continue to, to work hard every single day. If you want to get involved, if you want to be a part of what we're doing, the door is wide open. We all have passions and talents and Trust me, if you think that you can't offer puck support something, I'm here to tell you you're absolutely wrong because we all can can bring something to the table on some level. And who knows? You may find out that this is your calling because I sure have. Anyways, if you're struggling, just know you're not alone. I struggle every single day. Uh, I don't struggle enough to use drugs anymore. And uh, I... 
I wish I had the answer, but here's what I tell people. You want to get serious and you want to get real, you have to get honest. If you're not willing to get honest, it's not going to happen. It might happen for a short period of time, but it just won't happen. It's really hard. It's really uncomfortable. And it takes a hell of a lot of work. But I'm here to tell you that it's worth it. It's worth it. Nothing easy, you know, is really worth it in the end anyways. Um, Sure, it feels good. But we need the people in our lives that are willing to push us, challenge us, not coddle us every five seconds of the day. And, you know, okay, yeah, it's okay to do this or it's okay to do that. You know, push yourselves and find people that push you to be the best version of you. Thank you to Sean McMorrow, the sheriff. Make sure you definitely check out his podcast. I will be posting it everywhere. And it's my hope that the podcast could possibly be part of the Puck Support Podcast Network. If you like any of the Puck Support swag, pucksupport.com for a short time only, Use promo code mental health. It's going to get you 10% off. Um, thank you to everybody who watches and listens. If you're listening on audio, please rate and review. It takes a couple of seconds on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. If you're watching on Facebook, whatever, share it, please. If you liked it, if you didn't, don't. Hello to everybody back home. Dad, mom, love you. And yes, even my sister, Brittany, I love you too. All the kids, all your kids, my nieces and nephews, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. I love you all. I miss you. It's been almost four years. I can't wait to get back there. Brooklyn and Brody, I've been asked not to talk about you, but I've decided I don't, I can't help it. I've been told what I can and can't do for too long uh, surrounding that. And I'm fighting for what I want in my life and what I want is a relationship with you guys. So whatever that looks like, I'm, uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes until at least I hear it out of your guys' mouth or whatever. Um, I'm not going to stop. And even then, I, I I will never stop believing. So I love you guys. Uh, Taylor Hadley Lincoln, love you guys. Baby Veda, who I hope to have soon one of these nights. It's been nice being able to have her and spend time with her. It's been amazing being on the ODR. Hadley's doing great. Uh, Lincoln's coming along. He still just likes me to carry him around, which I'm totally cool with. So I'm just one grateful guy, and I'm grateful you watched. Get grateful, be kind, and have a great day if you so choose.